One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show Emergency Podcast. I'm not quite sure if this is a daily ding or if it's an emergency nerder, but I am Dave DeFore. Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow are joining me. And of course, we are here to discuss Donovan Mitchell finally being traded after asking for a, a trade in May. Donovan Mitchell has been traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers from the Utah Jazz. In return, the Jazz get Colin Sexton, Larry Markkinen, uh, Ache Akbaji, Three unprotected firsts and two pick swaps. Colin Sexton, this is a sign-in trade featuring him. Uh, He is going to sign a four-year, $72 million contract. Guys, I'm going to start with the Donovan Mitchell part of this. Uh, We've kind of been expecting the Knicks to trade for Donovan Mitchell essentially, I don't know, sometime two years ago. Dave, I said that on the ding yesterday. I said there was nobody else competing with the the Knicks for the trade offer. (laughs) Well, it seems like the Knicks kind of dropped the ball here. We're going to laugh at them after we break this down. But um, let's start with uh, with the Utah side of this. Obviously, they have kind of hit the reset button. They've traded away Rudy Gobert for a boatload of picks from Minnesota. They just traded away Donovan Mitchell for five picks. I mean, it, it could be. Go ahead, Mo. No, no. Just so everybody understands this. They have 13 unprotected or lightly protected picks. Through 2029 they will be they this is we're coming closer to my dream folks of just a draft of just four teams where it's utah oklahoma new orleans uh uh, whoever else next but like we're coming close seth this is this is the equivalent of shooting a three when you're down with two minutes to go and you're only down four points we're taking threes all the way like this is one of the fastest resets i can think of in since i've been covering the league for sure uh, there's always a benefit to picking a direction and going that way hard. And Utah, this has not been half measures, and they're they're frankly not done. They still have players that they that I think, uh, for example, Boyan Bogdanovich, I think is a very interesting trade piece for a contender now. Um, so yeah, this is a a just a great job of resetting. Uh, the details of this are. Are, are pretty fun too um, in terms of uh, obviously Victor Wembanyama is, is sort of the big prize next year and Utah will be turning their offense over to Taylor Horton Tucker and Colin Sexton, which is a great move towards securing the first pick and, and trying to get Victor Wembanyama. It's like a negative draft and Mo on court. I mean, it's going to get ugly. I'm assuming. I mean, they aren't planning on trying to, w- to win games. I mean, it's look, uh, Seth isn't wrong. Bogdanovich is probably going to be one of the next dom- dominoes to drop. I don't be shocked if the Lakers try to find a way to make that trade and get involved in there using one of their first-round picks in the, in, in the future so the Jazz can continue to add to their vault of picks. I think the uh, Mike Connolly is going to be a guy that's probably going to be on the move or bought out. Who knows? Um, I think this is just one of those things. On the court, this thing's just going to be ugly. And, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why I think didn't, Will Hardy get a pretty good sized, lengthy deal? That's part of the deal. Knowing, like, hey, this is going to be bad, man. Like, we're not going to, the, the first year is going to be pretty rough in that sense. 
And, you know, we're just going to see what we have in Taylor Horton Tucker, in Colin Sexton, and all that. And four years, $72 million for Colin Sexton, it's not bad. I mean, it's not great, but it's also like for a team that's not really going to be going anywhere but down, worthy flyer. For Will Hardy, the great thing here is that he at least he has his team in training camp. So, yeah, they're not going to be good, but he gets to have a real training camp, not – you know, I, I was doing a podcast with Jared Dubin yesterday, and I, I, I compared it to not a substitute teacher, but a substitute class. He'd have a substitute class if he had if they hadn't made this trade before training camp. And now at least he has the team he's largely going to coach. And I think for a young coach who needs to get reps, I think that that has some benefits. That is some some pretty strong benefits for Utah for getting it done now, not not in a month. Question for you guys. Is there are are they going to keep Lori marketing or are they going to try to spin him off at some point? I mean, he showed that he's a okay player last season. I thought I thought his defensive deficiencies weren't as bad last season when he had you know adequate defenders around him. I think he's a useful piece for a team that actually wants a good young player who can contribute to winning. Uh, so yeah, I think they likely try to move him. It it I, I think that's something that could be possible. I'm not I, who knows really how they feel about him with all of that. But I think that's one that I think, you know, there there's still more to be done in Utah in terms of getting rid of the substitute class that Seth is talking about. Agree. I mean, Jordan Clarkson is, is a useful piece for some some team out there. Uh, let's flip it to the other team here, the team that I think got substantially better, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, they, they've, they've got their core of Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, and now they've added another piece. And, and you know, Seth, I know you have gripes with Donovan Mitchell, but this is a team that may be perfectly suited in the front court to cover for his biggest deficiencies. An absolutely perfect fit. Not just for Mitchell, but for Evan Mobley. Uh, because this it's kind of interesting because it's almost like I was workshopping horrible like jazz to rock and roll jokes uh, all day, and I guess there it is. But this is there's a lot of similarities between this Cleveland team and that uh, that uh, Utah team, uh, in that the best player on the team is not going to be the is likely not going to be the fulcrum of the offense. But as Mitchell having that that fulcrum of the offense allows Mobley to do the everything else and not have a lot of pressure on him to become some kind of ball in hands, mid range shooting, kind of becoming kind of the next almost Anthony Davis. Uh, type type player, so I think this is the 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 fit and the synergy across those top four players is really good. Mo, do you worry at all about it stunting the growth of Darius Garland? I mean, I think Darius Garland is is a rising player who could in a couple of years be better than Donovan Mitchell. Do you, do you worry about this stunting his growth at all? I don't, and I don't, and 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 one of the main reasons why is what have we seen mostly throughout the NBA is you need multiple ball handlers, you need multiple guys that can make the play and you know, attack of the weak side and things like that. I think it's going to be a, a little bit of an adjustment for him, you know, and I think he struggled a little bit playing with Colin Sexton. We saw how much better he looked when Ricky Rubio was on the floor with him before Rubio got hurt. But I think you're going to see some some growth with that. But also, Donovan Mitchell's just so much a better player than Colin Sexton, right? Like, it makes it so – it'll probably be even easier in that sense. And I think defensively, you know – Mitchell now has two big guys hiding his defensive warts and his apathetic appetite for defense. Yeah, and Darius Garland is pretty good playing off the ball, and, and his shot is going to be respected, Seth, which is probably going to open up stuff even more for Donovan Mitchell. 
both of them. I think that's a, that's an interesting synergy in that they both are good on ball. Both are good off the ball. Donovan Mitchell is not one of these guys who is is wedded to catching the ball and caressing it and getting it into his bag. If he catches with an open shot, he'll shoot. And Darius Garland is a very good shooter. And so from an offensive standpoint, I think that they are complementary rather than necessarily being sort of rivalrous, especially since you have, you know, you can run a second side pick and roll with the other big man. So there's some really interesting things going on for Cleveland here, I think. All right, guys, I know that this is, I mean, this trade literally just happened. We just got the details, but just gut reaction. Does this make Cleveland a home court advantage team in the playoffs? Are they top four in the East now? I think it puts them in the conversation, which everybody hates. But I think it's uh, uh, when you just just think about the Eastern Conference and in no particular order before people get all upset about this stuff. But you have Boston, Milwaukee, Philly. You have uh, we don't know what we have no idea what the hell we're getting from Brooklyn. We have Miami. We have Atlanta. We have Toronto. That's that's eight teams right there. I think assuming my math isn't wrong. <laughs> I think it's uh, seven. At seven. Okay, and then you have Cleveland. Like whatever. You have a whole bunch of uh, uh, teams, and I'm sure there's others that I'm forgetting. Like this, this puts them in there with that. Chicago's another team, right? Like this is a whole run of things. Like I don't know if it puts them. I think Boston and and Milwaukee are the top two. I think Philly's kind of in a tier of its own in three, and then I think there's an opening after that, and I think it's kind of a free for all. Seth, you feel about the same way? Um, there's sort of the one shoe to drop is Kevin Love's expiring contract for a wing. Like, I think they're very interesting now if that if there is some kind of a deal like that manifests themselves because like they've got a good backcourt. They've got good up front. Kind of the only wing they have right now is uh, depending on what you think of Karis Levert is is Isaac Okoro, who's actually a pretty good complement to, to what they have um, given his his defensive stoutness. But they need more on the wing. Uh, as as sort of another another parallel to the Utah Jazz, but they do have either Lavert or Love as expiring contracts to possibly flip to get that to get that that depth on the wing, and they're probably like an attractive sort of buyout team as well. On top of that, the one thing I love about this trade too keeps them young. They're perfectly in line with the timeline. It's it's not a okay we have to win right now type situation. It's this is going to be a guy we're going to keep building up. We're going to keep going forward. We're still a young team. But, you know, Donovan Mitchell's only 25 years old. Still, I mean, he's not even really hit the prime years. So, like, I think this is a great thing for for Cleveland. I love what Cleveland did. Uh, let's talk about the teams that missed out on Donovan Mitchell. And first and foremost, I want to start with the Knicks, but also the Miami Heat. Because the Miami Heat were in on, the, on him early and, and couldn't figure out a way to get it done. Um, I actually think the Miami Heat, could have really used them. Now, Tyler Hero, not a good enough player to, to land you of Donovan Mitchell, but um, th- it was a failure on their part to improve their team. But the Knicks were the big one. They were the front runner. They seemed to be the only team that was in it. And then they signed R.J. Barrett to this extension, and the deal was over. So uh, are we making fun of the Knicks for this? Uh, I think that this that did giving up what Cleveland – like I think New York could have kind of matched with their picks and young players – I think it makes so much more sense for Cleveland to do that trade than it does New York. So did they miss out? Yeah, but it's like maybe they got saved from themselves a little bit. Because if they do a deal with all the picks and Grimes and Quickly or Toppin or some mix of that, 
how good is that team? Like Cleveland having made this trade is a better team than New York would have been had they made that trade by, I think, a, a substantial margin. So it just, I think it just makes so much more sense for Cleveland to have done this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, Seth, on that. I think, you know, the, the Knicks, if they made this trade, still needed another piece. Still had to, they couldn't have made this specific trade with this much equity, knowing that, hey, we're still going to be a piece away. Like, we need to keep some stuff in our cover so that we can make that trade down the road. So I think that's kind of the difference between the two. But of course we're going to laugh at the Knicks, Dave. Of course, bing bong, like we're going to do all of that. Like, what are we talking about here? I thought they were the only ones in the running. You know, there was a report from uh, Ian Bagley, you know, like a week ago. The Cavs had taken themselves out of the running. The Knicks signed RJ to this extension. And, you know, what do you know? Kobe Altman gives a call to Justin Zanuck going, hey, you up? And I think that's just kind of the stuff they do. And and you're you're looking at it there. I think the Knicks fans are going to be... Uh, quite irate. I think this was smart that they didn't give up that much, but this is uh, uh, it's it, it's still a, a a stinger. I mean, that aside, though, I mean that's a pretty sensible extension they gave R.J. Barrett. Like I'm, you know, I think we all know how I what? I've never been. No, I think it's what? I think it's who are you and what have you done to no, set part like now? Twenty six, twenty seven million. That's what a good starting, good but not great starting wing makes. So that's fine. Um, and, and, you know, so if you just, if you ignore it, well, they could have got Donovan, they, they could have overpaid for Donovan Mitchell. And then there's kind of back in that, like Stefan Marbury era treadmill of getting names in for the Knicks. So honestly, this maybe worked out better for them than, than the alternative, even though it's like, oh my gosh, Cleveland did this and we didn't, well, they it made more sense for Cleveland to do this than it would have for New York. Like I we said. wouldn't be asking. You, Dave, wouldn't be saying, "Hey, the Knicks are going to be a uh, uh, top the four Knicks seed top four. in, in, yeah, in the there's East." No way. Is it, are they good enough to be a top six team? Would yeah, be it's just we a asking. different setup, right? Like in that scenario. So, I think that's kind of the important thing when you're looking at that trade, you know. And and here's the other thing: Knicks fans probably don't want to hear this. You're still in prime position for the next guy, you know, with your draft assets and stuff like that. You know, Cleveland doesn't have anything anymore to trade. You know, like you're 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 in the prime position for the next guy, whoever that may end up being down the road. So it'll it'll be interesting. And the next guy is almost certainly a better positional fit. Like, you know, the, the kind of Mitchell plus quickly plus Brunson. It's a lot of kind of similar stuff. Whereas if the next guy is, I don't want to start naming names because the, we we hate that. What if it's a wing or a big or something like that? That obviously that that just fits. That adds more to the Knicks than like basically like upgrading from quickly to Mitchell would upgrading yeah. from nothing to to somewhat to I don't know if it was a uh, I don't even want to like a Bam at a bio level player. Not that he's a player who is available in this, but if from nothing at center to Bam is just it would just be a better deal for them. Yeah, uh, and and worst case scenario, man, just start scouting Bryce James. You know, just go ahead and start doing that now, and maybe that's the guy you can bring in. Uh, there's going to be so much more on this trade. Uh, the Saturday Slam and Jam guys are going to have Sam Vizzini on. They're going to do a deep dive in the trade. And, of course, next week, once all the other dominoes have fallen and we get the story, we'll be back with the Nerder She Wrote 
full episode, so we'll probably talk about this trade then as well. So that's going to do it for the show. Thank you guys for listening. For Seth and Mo, I'm Dave. Guys, you know what you do at the end of this show, Seth? Seth, do you know? Don't. I've never dinged before. Well, you're almost there. You were halfway there. Ding, Wait. ding. Ding, ding. Nerd ding. No, don't. No, edit that out. No, and that's it. This is the last time you're on the ding. You screwed it up. You screwed it up, Seth. You're done.